Today on Off the Cuff Declassified, it's been a deadly two weeks for police officers in the U.S. Retired NYPD detective Rob O'Donnell joins me to discuss. Kanye West doubles down his support for President Trump on Twitter, and he's joined by an unlikely ally. Rudy Giuliani tells Robert Mueller that the president is extremely opposed to a sit-down interview. That's a great idea. And a Manhattan judge in New York City rules that bars and restaurants can throw out Trump supporters. You might be surprised by what I think about this judge's ruling. Tragic week for police in the United States as two officers in Dallas are shot and a sheriff's deputy in Somerset County, Maine, Eugene Cole, is murdered. The suspect, John Williams, was out on bail for a firearms offense. Our good friend, Rob O'Donnell, retired New York City detective, has been doing a lot of research on this story. He's put out a, a very comprehensive thread on Twitter. Rob, what do we know about this? Because I was so infuriated with the initial details. The killer, the savage killer of, of Deputy Cole, John Williams, was out on bail from a firearms offense in 2018. And as far as I understand it, uh, the research you've done, the judge reduced the bail from $10,000 to $5,000 for that offense. He should have been sitting in a cell not walking around to kill Deputy Cole. Absolutely. It's another tragic day. Seven, seven officers were killed in six days. Un, un, ab absolutely, absolutely unbelievable. And for the New England area, this is another career criminal that should have been incarcerated, released by liberal judges on pathetic bail to murder another New England police officer. Two New England police officers would be alive if the judges stuck to the letter of the law and protected the public. Now, he was related. Uh, he was arrested for firearms-related charges. This guy, John Williams, who uh, is a suspect in the murder of Deputy Cole, not even a month ago, just a little over a month ago, March 22nd, by the Massachusetts State Police. He's released on bail, <clears throat> presumably in Massachusetts, correct? Yes. So another, Massa another Massachusetts judge is releasing violent, violent criminals out on bail to go kill police and the public. I, I just, it, it's, it's almost at this point, you know, why, why even bother? Why should cops even put themselves in the line of fire if these liberal judges are just going to let the savages back out onto the street? This subject, Williams, was due in court the day he murdered Deputy Cole. What would have been the, 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 the problem to hold him for those 30 days? Deputy Cole would be alive if he was held on a firearms charge He's a prior convicted felon from 2006 for burglary. He, he was arrested with a firearm by Massachusetts State Police, two firearms, loaded magazines, high capacity magazines on the Maryland law, um, um, Massachusetts law. And he was arrested and released within seven days. See, Rob, but this doesn't this go to the heart? And I want to get into Deputy Cole in a moment, his history. He was a bit older of a deputy, 62 years old. But doesn't this really strike at the heart of the liberals' arguments? Gun control, gun control, gun control. <clears throat> but then their liberal judges just release the most murderous, the most violent, the most dangerous. Here, uh, from your tweet, your tweet stream is better than any article I've read on this. Uh, upon his arrest, the Essex County, Williams' arrest for the gun charge, March 22nd. Upon his arrest, the Essex County, Massachusetts uh, Assistant District Attorney requested $10,000 bail, which to me is far too low. That was reduced $7,500 by Judge Michael Patton, then later reduced to $5,000. He was released on March 31st to appear at the hearing the day he killed Deputy Cole yesterday. I mean, everything about this is wrong. Do we know anything about this Judge Michael Patton before we get into Deputy Cole? Sure. The judge uh, has a history of uh, shortchanging bail, especially when it comes to law enforcement uh, cases. Um, he was appointed by Governor Deval Patrick, who we all know, you know, a liberal guy, friend of Obama, right? Right. Sure. Appointed by Bill Clinton uh, yep. back back when he was a DA. He was he was previously an Essex County ADA, so he should know better. He's dealt with these cases. Right. He knows violent felons when he sees them and when he deals with them. Uh, in August 11th of May of 2015, a man assaulted seven revere police officers. Now wait, That's 20, I'm looking at your tweet stream. So was it 2017 or 2015? You have 2015, August 11th, 2015. Okay, so the, the, there's a typo on the Twitter. So August 11th, 2015, 
There's a suspect. Go ahead. I'm sorry. He assaults seven people. A suspect assaults seven Revere police officers, sending two to the hospital with serious injuries. Right. That's seven. That's an entire police department in rural America. That's an entire shift anywhere else. That's an entire shift. Exactly right. That's an entire shift. Seven cops is an entire shift in a place like Fort Lauderdale. Not in a small city. In In an area like Fort Lauderdale, you might have seven cops on patrol at any given time. Yeah. And uh, the ADA requested $50,000 bail. Right. And this judge, Patton, only reduced, uh, reduced it to $25,000 bail, and he that's, was released. That's $3,500 a cop. I mean, that is, that is so disgraceful, it's beyond words. It, it truly is. Uh, here's a pattern and practice of, in the end, putting the public at risk. Uh, you know, we're we're highlighting it, and the, the nation will forget about it shortly because police officers are dying. But by putting these people out on the streets, if they will murder a police officer at the drop of a dime, where do we think the average citizen, the average tourist in the New England area stands when they're confronted by these savages? I, Rob, I've always said this. If somebody is willing to fight with, to shoot at, to kill a police officer armed and trained with a radio to call backup, <clears throat> my God, what are they going to do? to that single mother on the bus stop at 6.30 on a dark morning going to work. It is, it is uh, just, this is so infuriating. Maybe more infuriating to you and I through the lens of experience, but I think infuriating to every American. So what do we know about uh, Corporal Eugene Cole? He was 62 years old, an older guy. He's been, I think you told me, on the job 15 years. 13 years. 13 years. So he started at 49 years old. He started when most of us had, had been out of the game for a while, had retired for, for a little bit. Yeah, correct. He, I mean, he started his career in law enforcement and when most of us are ending it. Uh, his, from what I'm understanding, his son is a deputy sheriff in, in the area up there as well. Yeah, um, uh, Officer Dan Memorial Page, which is a great resource for this sort of thing, uh, says his, he is survived by his son, who's also a deputy with the same agency. My God. How tragic if his son had to respond and see his father shot dead. Ridiculous. And the, the whole the whole situation, the, the, the facts in this case, where there was some sort of confrontation at 1.45 a.m. in the morning where this animal murdered Deputy Cole, stole his police car and went to a, a, a convenience store gas station and robbed it. And yeah. he's still on the run today. This, this is, <clears throat> sorry, I'm reading, uh, I'm, I'm on OMDB right now, Officer D- ODMP, Officer Down Memorial page. And like you say, we've lost uh, uh, many police officers. Uh, Yarmouth Police Department, uh, uh, Sean Gannon, Sergeant Noel Ramirez, and, and <clears throat> Sheriff Taylor Lindsay, Gilchrist County, Florida, uh, rural area. We, we didn't even get a chance to talk about that one. Assassinated while they ate lunch. This is just heartbreaking. And we also lost another police officer yesterday, Rogelio Santander, Dallas, Texas. And he was, uh, now was uh, Officer Santander, one of the two Dallas police officers shot who then passed of his injuries, correct? Yes, and the other one's still in critical condition. This is, this is absolutely, and so let's <clears throat> talk about Officer Santander a little bit. Uh, the information here, 27 years old, uh, three years, looks like three years on the job. Says uh, it was at a Home Depot store, a robbery. Yeah. Do we have any details on that suspect? um, There's mixed messages. It looks like an off-duty or school or the store loss prevention called police for for a suspicious or suspect. Um, I've heard two different accounts where he was recognized by an off-duty police officer for wanted for a prior felony, Uh, and then there's another one where the the school the store resource officer uh, got involved with it. But the two uh, police officers from the Dallas area responded and the altercation occurred where both Dallas police officers were shot in the head. Yeah, I'll read you what, uh, what uh, ODMP says. says uh, police officer Rogelio Santander uh, succumbed to a gunshot wound sustained the previous day while he and two other officers attempted to arrest a shoplifting suspect at a Home Depot store. An off-duty officer working overtime at the store and, and the store's loss prevention officer had detained the suspect who attempted to shoplift during the investigation. It was determined the man had an outstanding felony warrant. They requested additional units, Officer Santander, and then another officer arrived at the store and remained with the subject in the loss prevention office as the off-duty officer confirmed the warrant. As they attempted to place him in handcuffs, he drew a handgun from his pocket 
got both officers and the loss prevention officer. He fled the scene, but was uh, later located. We know he was arrested the following day. I, I just, you know, I, I don't want to, uh, why didn't they toss this guy? Why did they, when they had him in the loss prevention office for the shoplifting, they, they, somebody didn't search this. And it just goes to show when the public, uh, you know, screams, cops, oh, right. well, he's searching that individual. He was right. only shoplifting. He's just a shoplifter. Exactly. No, he's a murderer. That's right. That is, that is absolutely right. He's a murderer. Felony warrant. But this is, this is you, you nailed it, Rob. Back when we were on the job, back before people had cell phone cameras in your face and back before the Black Lives Matter movement, do you know of any cop that would have second-guessed themselves and the minute they found out somebody had a felony warrant and not had them on the wall searching them? Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, that's a must-arrest. You've got a felony warrant. It's a must-arrest. You've got probable cause not just to pat down and frisk. You've now got probable cause to search. But you're right. It's the, it's the day-in and day-out vilification of police by the left that's getting them killed. This, this is the fruits of eight years of, of denouncing the police, of eight yes, years yes, of making us the boogeyman, making us the bad, making us the racist, making us the Nazis. The police serve and protect every individual, every community in this nation. They have, they always will. It's all lives. They always mattered. It's just the time now that we start focusing on that. You know, I say that on the show every single time I cover a law enforcement topic, which is pretty often, almost daily, that I've never sat in a patrol car, got a priority call, go racing their lights and sirens, and asked the race of the victim, or the religion of the victim, or the sexual orientation of the victim, or the political affiliation of the victim. Have you, has anyone you, you've ever known, have you ever heard that happen? I know you haven't, you know I haven't, yet the left makes it seem as if policing is selective based on race. No, the race of the offender is a necessary element for description and location. I've never heard of a cop anywhere who ever said, what's the race of the victim? Oh, they're a black homosexual, all right, turn the lights and sirens off, let's slow down. It's never happened in the history of policing. Absolutely, It's, it's another false narrative that we've fallen into over time. And this is, this is a historic tactic of the left. I mean, look back, you know, when the Irish immigrated, they made them look like angry leprechauns because they were the boogeymans. Right. You know, look at what they did with the, with, with slavery, you know, yeah, mocking. When the Italians came over, when the Jews came over, every group was, was vilified. But the difference is those groups, the Italians, the Irish, the Jews, when they migrated to the U.S., they looked at the problem very differently. The Italians and the Irish said, oh, yeah, well, then we're just going to become the cops and firemen. The Jews said, oh, yeah, you're trying to keep us uh, out of business. We're just going to become the bankers and, and the lawyers. And, you know, I mean, so those groups looked at it, saw a problem, tackled the problem and succeeded. I, I don't like this, this victim mentality. We saw all over the media, Candace Owens, she's being praised by Kanye West. But Candace Owens was right. What is with this, this desire to be oppressed? This victim mentality where it's everyone's fault but your own and then vilifying people to the point to get killed. The second you don't walk their line, the second you don't believe like the left does, they're going to attack you regardless if, if you're like what's going on now with Kanye West. You know, he, yeah. he was, he's, the, he's the epitome of, of that, um, that ironic uh, fact on them. <laughs> you know, I, I've always, every time the left cries oppression, cries they're vilified, well... We look different or we, we sound different because of inner city dialect. I point to Chinese, Koreans, Vietnamese. We both grew up in New York. We, look, we, we saw the LA riots. Koreans come to this country. They look different. They can barely speak the language. They open businesses. They work around the clock. They succeed. And in Los Angeles, back in the 90s, they were the first people attacked. They were the only ethnic group willing to service some of these black areas that were gang-ridden and murderous. They went in there, they opened up businesses, they serviced the community, and they were the ones first victimized. We see it in New York with the uh, uh, Korean grocery stores on almost every corner, right? Open 24 hours a day. Those are the people robbed, shot, and killed. It, it will never, it, I don't even want to say make sense to me, but at which point do we start pointing the fingers and placing blame where it belongs on certain communities that have no interest in succeeding? A very small subset of those communities, I'll add, but that would rather point fingers, go out there, 
murder and then make excuses for why they're doing it. And, and their main excuse is oppression from 400 years ago, or I came from El Salvador. Culturally, it's what we do in my country. And what they don't gather is all the Democrats care about is their votes. They could care less about them. And exactly. Kanye's tweet nailed that with his Chicago. Chicago remained the oh, same. Yeah. From eight Chicago, years, Chicago, eight years Chicago. of Obama, Chicago remains the same. Nothing, nothing has changed in Chicago. No, look, he's spot on. This is, Rob, this is so infuriating. And, and uh, <clears throat> the most heartbreaking part of this is that you and I are most likely going to be back here in a couple of days or a couple of weeks talking about another slain cop. It's unbelievable. I mean, with, with what's going on in, Ma in Massachusetts, where they just signed uh, a criminal justice reform bill to make this to make releasing releasing these animals easier. You know, let's let's keep them less in jail. Let's give them less bail. Let's give them no bail because, you know, they're not really that bad. Well, here's someone in 2006 who had a felony conviction for burglary. He had other arrests between then. He had a gun arrest and now he's out to kill a cop. That's how the progression works. Yes, you can reform some people. Some people do see the light and, and change their lives around. Other than not, they don't. You know, Rob, I, uh, <clears throat> there's this new movement, and I know we're running out of time. There's this new movement now for no cash bail that's taking hold around the country. The New Jersey governor wants it. That doesn't mean remand. That doesn't mean they're going to sit in, in jail. It means they're going to actually trust these savages to be released on their own recognizance. This is a, a purely liberal move. It's no cash bail move. Now, the private prison industry is, uh, is looking at this, and, and, and I don't really know where they come down on it. Part of me feels that they like it because they think they're going to get those inmates. They're going to make money. But I don't think that's what the liberal judges have in mind. And, and I would hope that the private prison industry and all their money starts to lobby very, very hard against this no cash bail concept because we will see crime rates skyrocket back to the 1970s and 80s. And if they make a move like that, put some kind of clause in there where there is some culpability on the judges that are making these decisions. Absolutely there has right. To be Absolutely. some kind of accountability on that level. You know, right, exactly. Why don't we have transferred intent for judges, right? If, if I drive you to a grocery store knowing you're going to rob it, you blow away the clerk, I'm getting charged with the murder. Well, if a judge releases on their own recognizance or on a pittance of bail, somebody with a laundry list of violent felonies and they commit a violent felony, why the hell shouldn't that judge also face a charge? You'll see judges act very, very differently. Uh, absolutely. Why shouldn't they face the, fa the victim's families in a civil matter? Why shouldn't they right. face uh, uh, their own uh, sanctions uh, as regards to their bad decisions? Every other agency does. You know, if you're a police officer, if you're a police if supervisor, if you're a police administrator in your department, makes you're going to pay the price. That's right. Uh, judges That's make right. their decisions with impunity. We, we see far too many judges prosecuted for these decisions. Rob O'Donnell is always my friend, an absolute pleasure. Rob O'Donnell is, by the way, a, Rob O'Donnell is, if I don't know you, Rob is a uh, director of a group called Brothers Before Others. I'm a member. It's a law enforcement fraternal organization. They do amazing things for the families of fallen police officers. Funeral, uh, flowers to every funeral. A lot of help behind the scenes to these families, emotional support, financial support. Check the organization out, Rob. Give us the website and the, uh, and the Twitter handle. It's brothersbeforeothers.org, and it's uh, at bboinc14. At bboinc14. I rarely, if you watch the show, you know, I rarely endorse any organization. I'm part of this group. I'm friendly with the management of this group. Rob is one of the best human beings I know. It is an absolutely uh, outstanding organization. Rob, as always, my friend, a pleasure. And, and unfortunately, we had to talk about this again. Uh, one day we'll come on and talk about more pleasant topics like just plain old crime. Have a, have a great one. Thank you, John. Is the Great Awakening happening? Are people, especially people of color, finally becoming enlightened that the left has done nothing but oppress them and use them as pawns for years. Well, the left is hysterical. Now, we've been talking about Kanye West and his support for President Trump. Not only is Kanye West not backing down, but other rappers are now beginning to support him. Kanye West tweeted yesterday, he's doubling down on his support for Trump. He said, 
He tweeted, you don't have to agree with Trump, but the mob can't make me not love him. Of course, he means the liberal mob. We are both dragon energy. Fire breathing is what he means. He's kind of right. They're both, you know, firebrand guys. He is my brother. I love everyone. I don't agree with everything anyone does. I think he wanted to say, I don't agree with everything uh, everyone does. That's what makes us individuals. And we have the right to independent thought. Now, the left, uh, if you look at Kanye West's Twitter feed, that tweet went absolutely viral. 72, as I read this to you, 72,000, just under 72,500 retweets, just over 278,000 likes. And people are uh, saying, your comment, uh, uh, I, I love the old ye. I miss the old Kanye West. No, Kanye's canceled, canceled for the rest of 2018. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously the left is beside themselves. Now, you would think it was unique to Kanye West, right? No. Chance the Rapper. I'm not a big rap fan, but apparently this guy is pretty famous in the rap world. 7.62 million Twitter followers. He tweeted, black people don't have to be Democrats. He then tweeted, next president going to be independent. <clears throat> the black people don't have to be Democrats tweet received around, around 60,000 retweets. Very similar activity to Kanye West. This guy's got a big following. Uh, just over 230,000 likes. His tweet about an independent president, 10,000 retweets, 77,000 uh, likes. He, uh, Kanye West apparently was berated by Kim Kardashian. He said, my wife, he also tweeted, my wife just called me and she wanted me to make this clear to everyone. I don't agree with everything Trump does. I don't agree with 100% with anyone but myself. Now, this is very, very interesting and in that Kanye West is not backing down. You saw Shania Twain last week back down to the left-wing mafia. But this is, uh, this is a, a massive, massive step. One of the reasons that the left has been able with, with terrible, terrible policies, no economic message, no national security message, no empowerment message, no growth message, no message of pride, personal responsibility, rank, uh, dignity, self-respect. It's all take from government, you know, uh, uh, live off the nanny state, <clears throat> be a welfare recipient. You're too incompetent. Uh, blacks and Hispanics to get ID to vote. If you're a woman, you're only voting Republican because your husband is probably a closet domestic abuser who forces you to do it. And he's most likely also a closet racist and misogynist. That's really the message <clears throat> of the Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Tom Perez, Democratic National Committee. Was Debbie Wasserman Schultz, now Tom Perez. You've got guys like Keith Ellison in there who are like this. Louis Farrakhan, Muslim Brotherhood, people associated with Hamas. The left is so radical, so far left, they fall off San Francisco every morning when they roll out of bed. This terrifies them. <clears throat> Make no mistake. This terrifies them because the only reason they've been able to win anything, all of that horrible messaging and all of, uh, and the, with the lack of all those things I mentioned is because they've had the culture. They've had the music industry. They've had Hollywood. They have journalism. They have broadcast news. They have a great portion of cable news. The right has really only had talk radio, Fox News, uh, outlets like The Rebel, other uh, uh, digital properties that swing conservative, other uh, you know, television groups like Flair, One America, Newsmax. But audience-wise, we all really pale in comparison to Hollywood and the music industry and the broadcast ABC, NBC, CBS channels, right, around the country. Those all lean heavily left. So a very large portion, when you think about it, this country is only exposed to left-wing content, especially those who are younger, the millennials and younger, because they're typically engrossed in entertainment. Kanye West is a super influencer. Not an influencer, he's a super influencer. Chance the Rapper, again, don't know his music, of course, know who he is, but he's a super influencer in his genre. And that genre, the rap genre, crossed over into white America decades ago. So these guys are super influencers across the board. 
They've got the brands. <clears throat> they've got the earned media. They've got the money. They've got the marketing machines behind them to keep themselves very relevant, to keep themselves those super influencers, right? So when they turn around, they turn around, guys like that, and they say, we are off the liberal plantation. We are no longer succumbing to the, uh, we're no longer succumbing to the, the, or subscribing to, I guess, the notion that we must vote Democrat. Well, it drives people nuts. Now, I think Kanye drove, Kanye West drove the final stake <laughs> into the heart of that leftist vampire when he tweeted this last night. This is epic. And, and you, can, you can imagine the horror. There were probably people in New York, Los Angeles, D.C., Chicago crying, hoping that the next tweet was going to be, hey, it's Kanye, someone hacked my account. Kanye West tweeted, Obama was in office for eight years and nothing in Chicago changed. <clears throat> 68,000, a little over 68,000 retweets as I read it. Uh, about uh, almost 220,000 uh, likes. 219,570. Like. Almost a quarter million people like this. All right. This is, uh, this is one of the truest statements. Now, this one saw Kanye especially vilified. Here's one from a woman named Karen, uh, K. Carter, 0912. So you're, now you're on Twitter bad-mouthing President Obama? You're a bitch-ass. I'll never buy another Kanye West CD. Chicago is your home, too. Uh, boycott uh, stricter gun laws needed. Uh, this is amazing. This is amazing. Uh, he is being completely vilified. Now, people on the right are coming out and supporting Kanye West's position is Kanye West is right. Under the eight years of Barack Obama, black-on-black murder especially skyrocketed in Chicago. Skyrocketed in Chicago. All Kanye West is doing, all Chance the Rapper is doing, saying the truth. They're giving their opinion. Look, I don't entirely disagree with Chance the Rapper on the next president's going to be independent because I think this president is really at heart independent. Donald Trump is not an ideological conservative. The establishment Republican Party hates him. They're still working against him every day. If anything, Donald Trump really is an independent, but knew that he had to run as a Republican to be elected because an independent simply isn't taken seriously. Third party candidates are not. So I don't think that Chance the Rapper is that far off base with saying our next president's going to be an independent because I believe Donald Trump will sail to reelection. And at heart, he's an independent guy. But I love that Kanye West went after Obama like this. See, the left is, uh, they're incapable of admitting failure. And they have done a masterful job of owning Hollywood. And how do they do that? Well, <clears throat> the players in Hollywood, the powers that be, have, unlike many other businesses, tremendous influence over who's made and who's broken. If you were to go to work for J.P. Morgan Chase, Jamie Dimon is the CEO, very, very powerful guy, right? But Jamie Dimon doesn't get into the weeds of a young trader's politics. If there's a young trader on a desk in New York and Jamie Dimon is a Democrat, I don't know if he's Republican or Democrat, but for argument's sake, he's a Democrat and he likes Barack Obama. But that young trader who just came out of uh, business school is working a trading desk in New York and he's killing it. He's making the bank a lot of money. And he's putting up on Twitter and Facebook that he supports Donald Trump or he supports Rand Paul or he supported Ted Cruz. And not putting incendiary inflammatory things uh, that would get him fired. Nothing that's shaming the bank. Just putting his political views, quoting the Second Amendment, talking about policy and making it clear he's very conservative. Jamie Dimon couldn't care less. That guy's making the bank money. Last thing on his mind is that guy's political view. He's looking at the balance sheet. He's seeing that that guy's desk is producing. That guy's desk is constantly in the black to a significant degree. Jamie Dimon is making sure that that guy's written a big bonus check every year so that he retains him, so that he stays with the bank. If Jamie Dimon were a hard right Republican and that trader were as far left as you can go and did the same thing, same result. Writing him that big check every year, doing all he can to make sure he retains him at the bank. Hollywood's not like that. The music industry isn't like that. Very, very petty. It doesn't matter <clears throat> how good you are, how much potential you have. Unless you're at the level of a Kanye West or a Chance the Rapper or a uh, Clint Eastwood or a John Voight or a Tom Selleck, 
or a James Woods, unless you have many, many years in the business and you've already made it and you've made it on your own and you don't need the powers that be and the labels, they will crush you. They will crush you. The Harvey Weinsteins of the world, the David Geffens of the world, the Rob Reiners of the world, these radical leftists, they will step in and they will crush you because you don't subscribe to their far left point of view. Now, if you know anything about the industry, News Corp, parent company of Fox, which most people think Fox News, but it's also Fox Studios, one of the biggest in the world, was my client for years. And I got, I worked with their government affairs group. and I saw how all this works. The powers that be would court Democratic politicians because Democratic politicians had, had, had this relationship with the movie industry. Christopher Dodd, Dodd Frank, far-left Democrat from Connecticut, is now one of the most influential entertainment industry lobbyists in D.C. He's making a fortune. They loved him back in the days when I was at News Corp. They loved him because he would do their bidding uh, you know, in Congress. He'd get them everything they wanted. They would then give him access to the studio lot, and he'd get invited to parties with celebrities, and celebrities would share cell phone numbers with him, and he'd get all these perks. <clears throat> I'm not alleging any illegality. I think it was all above board, as far as I saw. But he was, you know, loved being able to drive down to New York City and hang out with Robert De Niro and Al Pacino and, you know, beautiful actresses and take photos with them. And when he got out, he was rewarded very handsomely with lobbying contracts from the studios for all the nice things he did for them while he was uh, Congress. And that's how the game goes. So don't you dare, don't you dare even hint that you're a Republican in the entertainment industry because the entertainment industry, you know, was always radically far left. They gravitated naturally to Democrats. Democrats did their bidding in Congress. The Republicans didn't. The Republicans owe them nothing. So now they've got this very fragile hold on film credits, subsidies, all of these things that you need the federal government to do for you in certain industries. And that's the relationship with the Democrats. That's why they hold on to it. And that's why they're so quick when they see an up and coming star who might be Republican, who might badmouth Democrats, they need to shut that down. Because a celebrity has the ability, even a young celebrity, to uh, garner far more earned media quickly than that trader on Wall Street. That trader on Wall Street might be actually making more money than that young celebrity. But it doesn't matter. They're not, they're behind the scenes, they're on a trading floor, on a desk. They're not newsworthy, they're one of many. They're one of many. That celebrity, if they go on the Ellen show, or they go on a Jimmy Fallon, or Conan O'Brien, or they're on Good Morning America, and they are speaking to millions in that audience, or they're on Twitter with 7 million, 5 million, 10 million followers, and they say, wow, what Donald Trump did was great, or wow, Melania looked beautiful, or man, Ted Cruz is a genius, he just took down Zuckerberg, or wow, I really respect Rand Paul for sticking to his guns. Their career is done. Their career is done if they're new in the business. For Kanye West, what are you going to do to him? What are you going to do to Kanye West who has, uh, here, let's take a look, 27.9 million followers on Twitter. 27.9 million followers on Twitter. Put it in perspective. Fox News' best ratings are around 3.3 million <clears throat> for a Tucker Carlson or a Sean Hannity on one of their best nights. Kanye West has nearly... 10 times, nine times an audience. He has over nine times an audience that size. I mean, this is, uh, this is massive, massive uh, exposure. Massive exposure. Kanye West also put out another tweet yesterday <clears throat> that uh, showed a MAGA hat. He actually has a Make America Great Again hat uh, signed by President Trump, and he put that up with flames. Now he's putting up tweets from other celebrities, uh, texts to him from other celebrities who are calling him out for supporting Trump. He doesn't care. He's doubling down, doubling down, doubling down. And I find this so incredibly interesting. I'm, I'm scrolling through. President Trump then responded to Kanye West uh, over the tweet I read you earlier. You don't, have to, you, know, you don't have to agree with Trump, but you can't make me not love him. President Trump uh, quoted, tweeted him and said, uh, Thank you, Kanye West. But the uh, MAGA hat, when Kanye West put up his MAGA hat signed by Trump, it made people insane. It made people. And uh, 
<clears throat> it's it's watching his Twitter feed, Kanye West Twitter feed. He's putting out some pretty coherent stuff. It's not the ramblings. He said, you know, Google supports Yeezy and ending violence in Chicago. <clears throat> he wants to meet with Larry Page from Google. Look, I like it when celebrities start to use their media power, start to use their media power to do good. I'm not talking about supporting Trump. I want to see Kanye West going to Chicago and try to end young black men killing each other. But man, what an epic start. <clears throat> what an epic start. To start seeing these cultural, cultural influencers, especially those who are African-American, <clears throat> tell the millennials, tell kids in high school, kids in middle school, that you don't have to be a Democrat. It's okay to open your mind and to be a free thinker. It's okay to look at both sides and not listen <clears throat> to the indoctrination that you're being subject to. I just hope this trend continues. And I suspect that when you've got guys like Kanye West and Chance the Rapper with followings as big as theirs, 34 million Twitter followers combined, I'm sure there's a lot of crossover there, but say 30 million unique followers. I hope that this starts to become a trend and we see more celebrities moving away from an ideology that's done nothing, that's done nothing but keep people of color down. That's done nothing but keep women down. That's done nothing but keep people of certain sexual orientations marginalized. This is a great start. I really want to see this spread like wildfire. The Washington Post is reporting that Rudy Giuliani has told Robert Mueller that President Trump is extremely, this is a quote, extremely opposed to a sit-down interview. I think that is a very, very wise decision. Now, Giuliani, who knows Mueller for many, many years, they work together in the Justice Department, is apparently negotiating with Mueller to bring an end to the probe. People who are, the Washington Post claims are familiar with this, <clears throat> have said that, uh, Giuliani, let me read it to you from the Washington Post. Giuliani, who joined Trump's legal team last week, conveyed the ongoing resistance of Trump and his advisors to an interview with federal investigators. They should never talk to federal investigators. Why even a lawyer? Or speak to them, cut a deal, write down your answers, make sure that they can't trip you up on anything. But they did not rule out the possibility of speaking to Mueller. The people said, and this is three people familiar with the talk, uh, adding that Giuliani pressed Mueller for clarity on when the probe is expected to end. In response, Mueller reiterated he would like a chance to ask Trump questions about steps he took during the transition in early months of, it, of his administration. The special counsel emphasized, as he did in conversation, conversations in March with Trump's team, that an interview is essential for tr investigators to understand Trump's intent in making key decisions as they seek to wrap up the portion of the probe focused on potential obstruction of justice. No, it's a perjury trap. They're going to spin whatever he says. Trump's lawyers do it in writing and should write down something that says, I fired James Comey because of his handling of Hillary Clinton case after conferring with Bob Rosenstein, Jeff Sessions, other counsel, who all advised me that he mishandled the probe and that it was not under the purview of the FBI director to decide whether or not a case goes to the Justice Department. And if James Comey felt that Loretta Lynch was unable to do her job ethically and with integrity, with honesty, he should have gone to Congress or the Inspector General or something to that effect. Because they want to get Trump in there because they know Trump likes to speak colloquially. And he might say something that in a New Yorkism means one thing, but to Robert Mueller, <clears throat> in legalese means another. He should not speak to him. Now, they, uh, people involved, of course, these are anonymous sources. And it says the face-to-face -face discussions illustrate how Giuliani is functioning as, chief, as Trump's chief liaison and lead negotiator with the special counsel, which I think is wise. Giuliani and Mueller know each other. <clears throat> and there will come a point where Mueller might say to Giuliani, look, this is what we're trying to do here, all right? And Giuliani's going to say, you know, Bob gone on way too long. I know you're kind of in your bubble. I know you've got tunnel vision here, but you got to see what you're doing to the country. And that, you know, you got to just kind of 
do something here, Bob, because you know the president didn't do anything. You're putting a cloud over this White House. It's not your place as an unelected, unconfirmed guy to do. <clears throat> and that's something that two guys who were colleagues in the Justice Department, Giuliani has a big enough reputation, he has enough political juice to have that conversation. And that's what's happening. Look, no matter what the media tries to tell you about these people, men of integrity, they don't speak. These aren't, nobody's that austere, okay? I worked around these people my entire adult life. I still do. Nobody's that austere. At the end of the day, everybody at a table across a guy from they, that they worked with is just a regular old person. You know, they really are. And Giuliani is going to tell them exactly what I said. Bob, you know, stop the, like, let's put this thing to bed. What do you need? President's not sitting down with you. You're not going to run indefinitely. Public perception is against you. People are getting upset. Congress is going to start asking questions. What do you need? You want a written statement to put this thing to bed? We'll give you a written statement. Like, end the nonsense. That's what needs to happen now. Giuliani said, I'm doing it because I hope we can. Is a quote. <clears throat> I hope I'm doing it because I hope we can negotiate an end to this for the good of the country and because I have high regard for the president and for Bob Mueller. He's actually said that last week. But I think this is wise. I think this is a very wise move to be extremely opposed. And that comes from one Trump advisor. The, the president of the United States should not be sitting down with somebody who has been so absolutely heavy handed, especially the raid on. Very sorry, my just terrible this week. You could hear it in my voice and my eyes. I don't know what's going on in the air, but it's not good. No bueno for me. So apologies for the voice. But uh, it's never a good idea to sit with federal investigators unless you're subpoenaed. And in this case, with Mueller's heavy-handed tactics, kicking in Paul Manafort's door uh, at 5 a.m. and frisking his wife in a nightgown at gunpoint. Just weird. You don't do that for white-collar cases. That was purely an intimidation on the part of Robert Mueller and Weissman. Andrew Weissman is number two. Now, I've told you uh, how Robert Mueller has dubious dealings. Alan Dershowitz was even calling for Mueller to be investigated over his handling of the Whitey Bulger investigation over his protecting Whitey Bulger and John Connolly, the dirty FBI agent who conspired with Bulger, who's now sitting in jail, in prison. Connolly is doing a lot of time. Bulger, of course, himself was on the run from 1994 to 2011, caught in Santa Monica 2011, serving multiple, multiple life terms. He's in his 80s. <clears throat> He'll die in prison. And so uh, I don't believe that... Um, Giuliani should sit down with anybody who's acted that heavy-handed, but also has a history, a very dubious history going back uh, in terms of the way he's handled the most vicious felons. I like that Giuliani is negotiating. I really, really do. <clears throat> but I think it's, it's long past the time now where Trump can fire. Because right now, any reason he would have to fire him is, and I say that and there's a caveat to that moment, has come and gone. He might have been able to fire him when McCabe was charged by the OIG. Now, if there's any chance to fire Mueller, it would have to happen when the final Inspector General report comes out if it's scathing, if it's damning for Comey, for Stroke, for, for, for McCabe, for Lisa Page, for all of the people that got Mueller started in the first place. And we know James Comey got him started <clears throat> using the fake dossier, leaking the memos. This is always what Comey wanted. Comey felt slighted. He wanted a special counsel. But this has really damaged this country. It's really damaged this country. And it all appears to happening, to be happening because Comey is a very petty, thin-skinned little man. He's six foot eight, six foot nine, whatever he is. But he might as well be, you know, three foot two. He's just a very little, petty man. In every interview he does, he makes himself look much, much worse. Every interview, he makes himself look much, much worse. And I just really want to see this thing put to bed. I hope by Trump submitting written questions, Mueller standing up and saying to the world, we've got the president's answers, no obstruction of justice, we're ending the probe, and we're going to move forward with the prosecutions of those already indicted and let those people fight it out in court, with the exception of General Flynn, who needs to have his plea vacated, and his charges dismissed with prejudice. I don't want General Flynn even getting a pardon. Because a pardon means he did something wrong and he's getting a pass on it. No. General Flynn is an honorable, good man. 
I know General Flynn, full disclosure. I know General Flynn. <clears throat> I know his son very well. This man did nothing wrong. He did nothing other than say, I can't recall, and had a different recollection than a few other people. He went through hell, far less than Comey did, far less than McCabe did, far less than Huma Abedin did, <clears throat> and far less than Hillary Clinton did. And those are, that's my personal opinion. That's not of the rebel. That's my personal opinion. General Flynn, through my lens of experience, law enforcement experience, should have his plea vacated, his uh, charges dismissed with prejudice, an apology from the federal government, and then he should sue Mueller, Weissman, McCabe, Comey, Stroke, Page, every single one of them for every dime they have. Add the Department of Justice and the Office of the Special Counsel into that litigation. It's actually a pretty interesting case out of Manhattan. A Manhattan judge ruled that bars have the right to kick Trump supporters out. Actually, the judge ruled that bars, restaurants, establishments have the right to kick anyone out for their political affiliations, that you don't have a right to be protected against political discrimination. And I, I kind of see the judge's point here. Now, people will flame me because they think it's about Trump, but it's not. Let me tell you where I stand on this. From the New York Post, a Manhattan judge ruled Wednesday that there's nothing outrageous about throwing the president's supporters out of bars because the law doesn't protect against political discrimination. However, now, now the, Trump, uh, the uh, New York Post wrote that in, in, in a pro-Trump fashion, that paragraph, but the same would apply to Hillary supporters, supporters of Barack Obama, supporters of Elizabeth Warren, of any supporter of any politician. You're wearing a shirt with Bill Clinton or Hillary Clinton on it. You can now be kicked out of a bar in Manhattan if the ownership is conservative, which is rare because it's Manhattan, but you can be. Philadelphia accountant Greg Playtech, 31, was bounced from a West Village bar called The Happiest Hour on West 10th Street, old neighborhood, uh, just after Trump took the oath of office. This case goes back to January 2017. He was wearing a Make America Great Again cap, and the staff... He claims, the staff said, quote, anyone who supports Trump or believes in what you believe is not welcome here and you need to leave right now because we won't serve you. Uh, he claims that that's what the staff told him after he and his buddies were given bad service uh, from a bartender. Well, he sued in Manhattan Supreme Court claiming in the incident they offended his sense of being American. Barr's lawyer pointed out that only religious and not political beliefs are protected under state and city discrimination laws, saying, quote, supporting Trump is not a religion. And now he claimed, and I have to say, I'm a Trump supporter, but I think the plaintiff's arguments were, were dubious at best, you know, flimsy. Uh, he said, quote, or the lawyer said, uh, his attorney, Paul Legiri, I play tag, his last name is Playtech, right? Uh, yeah, Greg Playtech. His attorney, Paul Legiri, Said, quote, the purpose of the hat is that he wore it because he was visiting the 9-11 memorial, end quote. Well, that makes no sense to me. Makes no sense to me. People visit the 9 I, I visited the 9-11 memorial. I lost friends there many, many times. I never wore any hat. I never wore a Make America Great Again hat. I didn't wear my, um, my contractor cap with an American flag on it. I didn't wear any hat. <laughs> so that's kind of silly. Quote, he was paying spiritual tribute to the victims of 9-11 the Make America Great Again hat was part of his spiritual belief. Uh, and he and his friends did go to the memorial, but look, I'm a conservative. I don't buy that argument. Rather than remove his hat, this is still from his attorney, rather than remove his hat, he, instead he held true to his spiritual belief and was forced from the bar. When the judge, and see, I think the judge was exercising common sense here, asked how the bar employees were supposed to be aware of Playtech's unusual religious belief, the lawyer answered, Quote, they were aware he was wearing the hat, quote. And the judge then said, quote, how many members are in this spiritual program that your client is engaged in? And the uh, lawyer responded, your honor, we don't allege the amount of individuals. The judge said, well, it's a creed of one. And the lawyer answered, yes, your honor. Now, again, I'm a Trump supporter. I'm not a lawyer, but I've sat in on enough trials. I kind of know how this stuff works. I, just a flimsy argument. I mean, they're right. Political discrimination is not protected. Maybe it should be. Maybe that's a whole nother 
conversation, whole nother show, whether or not we should pass state and city laws protecting against political discrimination. But then where that line in, and then we not mock someone on Twitter who supports Hillary Clinton or Elizabeth Warren or Cory Booker. And the left not mock us if we support Donald Trump. I don't like that infringement of free speech under the penalty of government's gun either. Very interesting case. At the end of the day, this guy lost his case because the judge said the plaintiff, the judge uh, heard an hour of arguments, took a short break, then returned with his ruling. The judge said, quote, the plaintiff, the plaintiff does not state any faith-based principle to which the hat relates and tossed the case out. The, uh, here the, uh, the, the uh, let's see, the judge also said, quote, here the claim that plaintiff was not served, this is the important part of the judge's decision, the quote I was looking for, quote, here the claim that plaintiff was not served and eventually escorted out of the bar because of his perceived support for President Trump is not outrageous conduct, end quote, meaning on the part of the bar. I have to agree with the judge. I've got to agree with the judge because if I own a bar, and a bunch of Obama supporters were in there with hope and change hats saying they wanted Obama to have a third term. And my bar was predominantly conservative clientele who were offended and leaving. I'd say, hey, guys, tone it down or leave. And I want to be able to do that because it's my establishment. It's a private establishment. See, I see property rights. I see a business very much like I see a home. You're in my home if you're in my business. I want to be able to tell you to leave if you're acting in a way that I find offensive. Now, unlike my home, there are certain rules I have to follow because it's a public establishment, not publicly licensed. But I looked at the New York State statute on this. I looked at the New York City statute on this, and they're correct. There is no, there is a no provision for political discrimination. There are provisions for religious, race, sexual orientation, things of that nature, uh, pretty much in line with the federal standard. New York State and City go a little further, but um, there's nothing for political discrimination, and I don't think there should be. I, I don't think your political affiliation could make you a protected class. That, to me, is a very liberal concept. So I caution conservatives, Trump supporters, before getting hysterical about this, think about the shoe being on the other foot. Think about a bar in a very red state also benefiting now, even though it's a local New York case, but it can now be cited as case law. Think about them being sued for kicking out a bunch of Antifa members for their political beliefs and now being able to use this case to support their position. Think about a bar in Deep Red, Texas, whose bar is being infiltrated by anti-Second Amendment crowd harassing anybody in the bar with a, with a uh, NRA sticker or mocking the NRA and offending other patrons. Now, those bar owners have a precedent case upon which they can sue those people. Or when they kick those people out and those people sue for discrimination, they now have a precedent case upon which they can defend their establishment. So at the end of the day, despite the, the uh, guy being kicked out, being a Trump supporter, I think the judge made the right call here.